Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We're excited to score, baby! All right, guys, welcome back to the channel. It's Titus and Travis here today on the MVM show. Uh, welcome back if you're listening on or watching on YouTube. Welcome back if you're listening on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, whatever you're listening on, whatever platform, we thank you guys for being here today. Um, let me ask you guys something. How, what, what do you guys think about that intro to the podcast? Um, it's not on the YouTube channel, but it is on the podcast, if you listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher, any of that, do you guys like it? Do you not like it? Let me know in the reviews. Give me a review on that and uh, let us know if you like it. I kind of redid it from last year and I like it. It kind of involves turkey hunting, duck hunting, goose hunting, all that kind of stuff. So it's a little different. But anyways, let me know. And if you guys get a chance, uh, give us a rating review. Before we get into the podcast, please remember, check out Yukonuba Feeding That Dog Food. I... I bring that up so much because it's really a great product. If any of you guys have duck dogs out there, I highly suggest just taking a look. It doesn't hurt. You don't want to get it if you want to buy it. But it does have glucosamine and chondroitin in it, which is really good for joints on dogs and labs of all breeds um, really deal with that, having bad joints. So there's that. And also check out Heavy Shot. Um, if you're looking for a new load and you're willing to spend a little bit more but get really good quality, check out Heavy Shot and all their products. You got Heavy Hammer, which is a lower end, more affordable. And then they got Heavy Metal, Heavy X. Uh, they got all kinds of blends. So anyways, check them out. All right. So today we are going to talk about, and there's going to be two parts to this. Travis is joining me, is quick tips or quick fixes for better shooting or better shotgunning. So without further ado, um, like I said, there's going to be two parts to this because we're going to keep this under 30 minutes. 
And we got some guests coming up and lots of things coming on. And maybe you've already heard some of them. So pretty pumped to start getting consistent with my scheduling. I can get a lot more content out and excited to give that for you guys and excited for all the guests we're going to have on. Well, let me first ask, how are you doing today, Travis? I'm tired today, man. Work's been busy. Yeah. Working extra hours. And then I literally hate the heat. And there's 100 plus here. And I'm used to working inside. So go outside and just want to turn around and come back inside. So it's kind of slowed down my uh, activities. Drains you too, huh? Yeah. I feel feel like this is the worst time of year. Like if I could move out of state and go somewhere where it's, you know, in the 70s. (laughs) Yeah. For the rest of uh, till October, till till duck season gets here, I could do the six months here. I six could do months that. somewhere else. The snowbird, know, that, yeah, that'd be that'd be no problem. But instead of running from you know running to the heat like snowbirds do, so you're half duck is what I'd you're go the me. opposite way. Yeah, I'd, right. I'd, the reverse migration. Yeah, that's well, what I would you do. do what they do. The normal human beings, right? Correct. Well, basically, the Follow snowbirds the ducks, do do right? that. They just go where it's warm. I like where it's warm. They do, huh? Yeah, that don't make any sense. So, like, if they're up in yeah, like, I'd be the, the eastern what the parts dude, of the state that yeah. get on the Florida. No, that's you know? not me either. Yeah, get forget that. No, mess. no, no. I'd be definitely doing what you're saying. I'd be like the ducks. I'd go north in the summer and south in the winter. Yeah, that's about perfect. Stay in that cool temp. So, anyways, we're gonna go through these. We won't, we won't burn through too fast. And maybe me and Travis, we can just both give our two cents worth in each one of these. But first off. So tips for better shooting, better shotgunning, kind of getting ready for that ne- the next duck season. It's not quite there where you're full. You're not in that mode yet, but you're starting to every once in a while watch a video here, watch a video there. But looking on Amazon, yeah, looking at Amazon, know, looking, looking at decoys, looking at the gear. Yeah, you know, it's not. And not where too did we go? Off. Where did we go the other day? We were looking for um, the squirters. I always call it, that's what I call them, because I can never remember the name. Oh, the Pulsators. The hey, Pulsators. Dude, we went over to uh, Kittles. Yeah, up Kittles. Up in Calusa. They didn't have nothing. They yeah, haven't restocked. They, they haven't restocked. No one's restocked. Yeah. Even, like, all these places, Rogers, Sitka, even our local places. Just about there, about another month, I everyone was telling me they're going to start restocking. So, But, um, so first tip, and some of these are super common sense, and some of these you may not have thought of before, but... One thing that could really help you shoot better and be a better shotgunner is cut the kick. So I've shot those guns, the older guns that have no butt pad. It's basically just a plastic piece. And what that causes a tendency to do is what? Flinch. Yeah. You know, when you know it's going to hurt, you're going to flinch. You're going to pull your shot. You're going to... You Maybe you close your eyes or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're anticipating that bruise on your shoulder and so i mean one of the things that we can do for that is just put a go buy a kickies i think they're called kickies aren't they kick and then eez are they called kickies or limb saver uh, limb savers know. one i'm th- thinking yeah kickies yeah kick and then dash ease and then there's also limb saver i actually bought a limb saver one time for i think my that over and under had a it had a um it didn't have a butt pad it was just a Plastic piece. <clears throat> so that's how my first shotgun was. Was it twenty gauge H and R? He probably just shot how it was. Single though, right? shot. That thing kicked like a mule. A twenty gauge. Twenty gauge kicked like a mule. Really? Yeah. Did you do anything to help with that, or just dealt with it? I just dealt with it. Yeah. Hmm. But 
kind of, I, never had, I never really had a gun that like kicked the fire out of me. Mm-hmm. It really seemed like, but that twenty gauge, that thing was a kicker. What loads were you using? It seems like a twenty uh, gauge twos. Oh, typically twos. Yeah, you know, and ba- two, you know, you're nine years old. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Big, big age difference. Yeah. Well, that yeah, that felt like it probably was yeah, was a that, middle. That thing. <laughs> the first time I shot it, um, knocked me flat on my hind end. I remember. <laughs> it, I remember it plain as day. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't only. Well, it's a single shot. Single shot. Oh, so shot. that's safe then. Yeah. That's scary when someone gets knocked over with a <laughs> semi, you know? So another thing you could do to eliminate that, the gun that you have, you know, you maybe that's something, and maybe if you don't shoot good with it, you could sell it. Um, they do say that gas guns um, don't kick as bad. They have less recoil. Um, I don't know. Do you believe that? I don't know. Like, I mean, I shoot, I've only a, shot I shoot one an Hersha gun. Right, so do I. Well, you got your your gun's gas, right? No, A five. It's it's not an inertia, inertia. is it? Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. And so is your Franke, right? Mm-hmm. That's inertia. Yeah. It's funny yeah, though. I the Franke feels so much different. I had a gas gun. Um, I had a Remington eleven hundred, and I didn't notice much kick between it and my my Vinci. It really? was a lot heavier. Yeah. That is true. It was a much heavier gun. So maybe it's more just absorbing recoil. Nece- yeah. Not necessarily not as much kick. Some of the lighter guns, maybe it's just the way I hold it, but I, I've noticed with my um, my Vinci sometimes, if I get my uh, cheek really on the stock, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll, it'll feel bruised at the end of the day. Your cheek? My cheek. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah. What's that called? What's that called when it... Um, cheek slap? I used to get that really bad with my um, over and under... I don't really feel a slap in me though. Just more, well, they just like called just that movement. Yeah, against it's my just cheek. Yeah, it's not. It's not slapping. That's just the term they use. Yeah. Cheek slap. It kicks up on your uh, cheekbone. Mm-hmm. And it, oh it. man. Yeah. My over and under did that so bad when we go to like Rooster Ranch or you know shoot out there. Oh man, after a hundred rounds, hurting <laughs> dude. Every shot you're just like Ugh, you're like ten stuff for it. So that's definitely gonna affect your shot when you're thinking about that. Yeah. So, all right. Maybe subconsciously, you know, not. Cause you're so focused on at least me when I'm duck well, hunting. When you're hunting, but like I'm, I'm shooting, saying, I'm at the saying, range but, or but maybe subconsciously it may cause you to do something that, you know, could throw you off a little bit. Yeah. All right. Number two. Uh, re- this this is not a tip I suggest. Yeah. When guys I was, are talking when I was about removing the bead, but what? I've seen a lot of guys. I've watched a lot of videos. They say they shoot better like that because they're doing it more off instinct than they are. Well, yeah. They aiming. talk about blacking out the bead, and you see all these high vis beads. You know. Well, that's why I was going to mix it up. Like, okay, that is an option, removing the bead. I know people that shoot their guns without beads, mm-hmm. and they shoot good. But then again, like me, I do like a bead, and that high-vis bead that I have on the Franke, I bought that same one for my A5 and put it on there. I'll have to show that to you afterwards, but, man, it's nice, dude. It's like, I don't, I. it's not like I focus on the bead. It's just... I don't know. I just acclaim the target quicker to me when I think when the duck's going. And if I have a viz, a high viz bead, I can pick up that spot where I want to put it. And then yeah, I don't really think about the they're bead. They're talking about you have a tendency to focus too much on the bead right. and not on the bird. I'm looking right but, down and I'm looking at the bird when I shoot. Yeah. I don't know about you. Sometimes I think I, I shoot more instinctively, mm-hmm. I guess. You know what I'm saying? And not really think about so you don't need where a bead the then? bead's at. I don't know. I mean, I'd much rather have one than not have one. We should cut it off next season. Nah, I'm good. Travis and the beadless gun. Huh? I'm I'm good. <laughs> I, I'll take the bead. <laughs> so, 
So that is an option because like Travis said, people are focusing too much on the bead, which I could see that. I don't know if that, I wouldn't say that's a beginner thing. I don't know. That just might be certain characteristics. One thing too, I think the size of the bead. um, If it's too big? Yeah, because Talon has a a 20 gauge Nova and the stock bead on that thing is, I mean, it's huge. I mean, when I throw that up, that's all I see is that bead. Really? Yeah, and I don't, I don't like it. I, in fact, I've I've shot that gun a couple times, and I don't know if I've ever killed a bird with that twenty gauge Nova. Hmm. He's pretty good shot with it. Yeah, he does good. Taylor's shot a lot of birds with that mm-hmm. that gun. Um, but yeah, that's know. a good point. I don't know. I'm gonna have to see how I shoot with that with that thing on because I put that removable. You can stick it on, and take it off. Mm-hmm. It's pretty big though. Yeah, so I think maybe so I a, a smaller a smaller bead. You know, with with high viz. It's yeah. visible would be something I would, personally I would like better. Yeah, because I still have the stock bead on my on my Vinci and it's just orange, and so I don't know. I like the green. Yeah, this this one's a combo of orange and green. Green, yeah. I, I, orange I, is the outside ring, and then I'm sorry, green's the outside ring, and middle's orange. Hmm. It's a it's a That's cool different. dude. It's I like it. I shot it the other day, and because I I put the bigger bead on, hoping maybe. To bring my shot down a little bit, it's not that because right raised bead's gonna make you aim lower, which would bring your shot down. But it's not that I. After I started thinking about it, I'm like, the only time to me that my bead being the way it is, or I shouldn't say my bead, the way my gun shoots, or me, maybe it's just me, is crossing shots. Because people are saying, don't change that because when a bird is flushing. It's perfect that it shoots a little higher because if you put it on them and bury the bird, it's going to shoot a little above them and they're going to fly into the pattern. But on left or right shots, if I have the bead perfectly in front of them like it should be, it's going to shoot over top. It's going to be higher. That makes sense? Because of the bigger bead? No. I'm saying with the original bead it had. If I have oh, a bigger okay. bead, obviously I have to You're bring gonna the gun. Lower to see I'm going to drop bird? it lower to see the bird, which is going to put it more on it. But... I don't know. So left and right would be an issue. I flushing was it would be fine. So I don't know. We're we're gonna try it out. I'm gonna pattern it beforehand too, but I think it will help me because all those shot cam videos from l- the last two years is certain shots I'm always shooting over their back, and it's not that mm. I, my aim is not right. Sometimes it is, but like for the most part, it's because I'm putting it. I'm dead leading them right in front, but the pattern is going up here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So either I got to adjust and aim low, which throws you off, or get a bead that makes my vision see that way and cleans it up. So anyways, all right, um, this is, Travis can speak well of this. I'll let him tell you what happened this last junior hunt. Uh, another quick fix or thing that can help you be be better, do better in the field with the shotgun, shooting, or just any issues in general is be prepared for problems. And that is one thing I truly say I don't really do. Um, I haven't had no issues with my gun, but it is something that could happen and totally affect your hunt. Um, I do take a little bit of gun oil, and sometimes I take WD-40 because maybe the action's sticking, maybe it's got gunk in there or whatever. Um, If you have a misfire or get a shell jammed inside your barrel or maybe the wad's stuck in there and you don't have something for that, your hunt could be over for an hour or two because depending on how much how long it took you to walk out, 
get something that get it. You may not even have it in your truck and then walk back and you, your hunt's either over or it's delayed. So having yeah, something definitely. with you in the field. So what happened? Tell us what happened. So last year on the junior hunt, Taylor was shooting um, a particular brand of shells. And actually we had shot, well, I bought two cases of it. And I was on two? the two. I bought two cases of it. I was on the last case. I had probably had about four or five more boxes left of it. And I don't know what the issue was because the first case I never had a single issue, but the the second case. Well, in your gun, in my gun, yeah. And she hadn't shot it as much, but I think she had shot some of those shells. And um, the wads, I mean, a monster wad. I've never seen a wad so big in my whole life. And it was one solid piece. It, it didn't like you know some wads they'll have like a split. They'll split or whatever. Mm. Well, what, Th- this one was a solid was, piece. It was the what, uh, Browning Wicked Wing oh, yeah, shell. Browning Wicked Wing shells. And she shot it and. You can just hear the BBs go out there like, boop, like a weird sound. Like kind of fall out almost. Almost like they fell out, maybe went two feet in front of us. I'm like, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. Mm-hmm. And um, the wad was literally stuck in the in the barrel. Like it, towards the back or the chamber um, or out towards no, the end? No, it was towards the end. The first time it was, the first time it was probably about, I could see it, um, maybe like an inch down in there. And so, you know, start looking around for a stick or something like that to, to shove down there, nothing. So I don't know. We were probably three quarters of a mile, and I had to walk all the way back to the truck. I get back to the truck, and I'm looking at the truck like, "What am I going to use?" Mm-hmm. You know, um, looking around just for something, and then I'm think, "Oh, my antenna." So I unscrew the That's antenna, right. and um, you know, it was long enough to get in there and wedge that free. Then we went back out there, and I took the antenna with me because I'm like, you know, if it happens again. This happens again, and sure enough, it was <laughs> a few shells later. Um, the wad stuck, and it was actually three quarters of the way out of the barrel. And it was probably at least two and a half inches of wad. It was huge. That's weird. Yeah, I'd never seen wads like that. And um, I pulled on that thing. I tugged on it, you know, hit it with that, um, the antenna. Uh-huh. It would not come out. And um, fortunately, um, one of our buddies there had a knife. And he worked on that probably thing for 20 minutes, trying to cut that thing out. And finally, he got that, that wad cut out of there. And we switched shells, but um, yeah, I think I mean if you have something, you know, it's kind of hard because the length to get down your barrel. You think about how long that is. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that when I was looking this over. It's like what you know. I'm trying to think what could you use, you know, that would be easy to pack and easy to carry that you could wedge down in there. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could really think of would be if you had some like waiting poles, but I'm not sure the diameter of that, or if you had something in a waiting pole that you could unscrew the top and have a you know some kind of rod down inside that thing just to have it, you know, in case something yeah. gets stuck in your gun. You never know. Well, my thoughts were those cleaning rods because they make they have an extensions where you could keep screwing. You, yeah, you keep screwing them on. So like yeah, eight you, to twelve you, inches, you and then put you them can in your screw five or six of them. Yeah, I mean, I know that never happens, Harley. But if you're trying to save from yeah walking, walking back. back you never know, but yeah. this is something you definitely don't want to happen, but definitely could happen. So yeah, you know, and, and another thing that you may want besides just that is, uh, you know, just a flathead screwdriver. You know, for some reason, if you if you're, you know, certain shells I had an eight seventy, and certain shells in there would expand, and they wouldn't eject; they'd be stuck in there, and then you have to get something to try to, you know, catch the edge of that, uh, the edge of that shell and force it out of the the gun, take your gun apart and pull that out of yeah. I've had that happen too. So, yeah. you know, 
Um, a couple little small tools. I think, I think it could be this shells you shoot too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you shoot the cheaper end shells, and I think sometimes you will could potentially run into problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? You know. I always try to keep my guns really clean. Could be just the the gun shell combo. Yeah, they just don't like each other. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, to me, I I think Super X is fine, but the combo with the My A5 and that just they didn't like each other. Because mm-hmm. I would start thinking, is my gun dirty? Yeah, you know, like what's going on here? I just cleaned this thing like the yeah. night before, and then it would. But what I found out for me with the A5 as the crimps were just a like literally like an eighth inch too long, and they were catching on the way out. See, I had that issue with my 870 with Remington shells. Really? Yep. The crimps were too long. They were too long. Huh. When you go to ejected, they'd hang up in there. So. And really, that's the shell itself. Like I said, we did fine with, but that is a problem. Yeah, like, and you start having that it was the same make. Of gun as it was shell, and so you think that it would be compatible, right. but for whatever reason, it didn't work out too good for me. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Um, mix lows. The doors open. My kids are. I hear the in door the doorbell, room. and it's open. So, see how long it takes them to figure that out. Hold on a second. Why don't you give the next tip? What tip are we on? Uh, mix loads. Have you ever done that? No, I haven't. Um, just looking at mixed loads, you know, they're saying that... Uh, the door's open. <coughs> to, to maybe load a, you know, a, a lighter shell than a heavier shell in there. And when I'm, when I'm hunting, you know what I'm saying? I'm not really... I'm just grabbing shells and sticking them in there. I'm not really thinking about too much about, oh, yeah, I'm going to put a light one in, heavy one in, or whatever. Um, so for me, I, I don't really like that idea too much of having two shells or whatever, um, I just typically just choose around, you know, three-inch three inch threes are usually my favorite loads to shoot and have the most success with those. So I don't I don't really do that whole, you know, two two different shells. To me, that sounds more like a... Um, sounds like work. An over and under. T- it does. I don't know. Yeah. I know guys that do and, it. And pretty soon the ratio of... Short range shells, right. so long range shells is not gonna even. It's out. just kind of a lot of extra. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That to me, that you're getting super, super technical. Yeah, that's like I won't make fun of anybody that does that, but like for me, that's just not for me. But yeah. it is something you could do. I you guess. Know? I guess if you were hunting someplace where potentially there was, uh, you know, more geese. I know some of the places yeah, up guys north, do that too. Geese. They'll throw a three I'll, and a half inch in on. I'll the, take I'll take a, maybe a couple heavier loads. You know what I'm saying? In case the geese start flying. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, want to mm-hmm. have more more uh, knockdown. lethality and yeah, knockdown. Yeah. yeah. True. So I'll I'll do that sometimes. Yeah. The next one I've never really thought about at all. This is getting technical. Like so, guys, on some of these tips, these are super technical, and they're not all the obvious ones. But we're you're getting down to nitty gritty when you start. Yeah, I never even thought of this. Compensating any, for the cold. Yeah. Yeah. So feet per second. I guess if you were in one of those really really cold areas, um, you know maybe Wisconsin in the dead end of winter, mm-hmm. and you're trying to do that, but I I don't know I just don't feel like because the density of the cold cold excuse me cold area is dense. So it's going to slow the the pellets up and open the pattern a little bit. So that's why I think so many guys are just stuck on twos, three-inch twos or whatever, because they just, they can kind of any scenario or situation, they can work with those. 
I just like having more pellets in my pattern. That's why I like fours. Yeah, I've noticed you went to lighter loads, and I still haven't left threes. Yeah. Well, no, you but, shot the fours. You shot the heavy metal three inch fours last year. No, I shot the three inch twos. Nay, nay, my friend. The ones I bought that I got a good deal on were three inch twos. Those were not, dude. Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to argue with this guy. They were three inch twos. Because I was wishing they had the three inch threes. And do you think I would have tried to buy those off of you if those were twos? I have no idea. Okay, listen to this. Price. Hear this story. So my friend Travis is working in Fresno, and he stops by. Who knows how many times? He probably stopped by their lunch and, lunch and after work every single day because he was literally worked I, right I by Sportsman's Warehouse. He goes by there. <clears throat> I didn't know this. He calls me. He's supposedly 10 minutes down the road. Hey, but I seen some heavy metal three-inch fours. At sports and twos, whatever. <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted them if they're twos, I promise you. But anyways, he goes, three-inch twos at the store at Sportsman's for how much? They were $10, 10 or $12 a box. $12 a box. So for the whole case, it was going to be 100 bucks. It was like 120 Or 120 bucks. Yeah. I go, Travis, stop right now. Turn around and go back there. Buy them. I will pay you for them. <laughs> do you think he was going to do that for me? No. <laughs> he realized it was that good of a deal and turned around. Why? Honestly, God, dude, why did you leave? They only had one case. They only okay. had one case. So what? I don't know. I just, for some reason, I thought, well, maybe these aren't the shells I thought that they were or something. I don't know, because that was a, really the first time I had purchased those. And um, I got to look at my receipt, and I was like, because they were supposed to be 15% off. Oh, really? Yes. Already? So they, they were supposed to be 15% off. That was the deal. Well, when the guy rang him like up. That was like 50% off. He took 50, I think he took 15% off. Plus he took $15 off a box. Because they were regular 30 something. Was it 30 something? No, they're usually. metals, what are they run? 28? Uh, no, they're like 24. 24 and I was getting them for 12. So they were half off. Yeah. So. I don't know. So some reason I got them like dirt cheap, like 12 bucks a box. And then I went back in there and I, I told him, I go, hey, I want to make sure that. You know, that was you very did, honest of you. You didn't do something wrong and mischarge right. me for this. And he looked mm -hmm. at me and he's like, no, this is right. I go, well, can I get the rest of the case? And he rung them up and did the same thing to every every box in the whole case. And I was like, I go, do you have any more? He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> did he even realize how good of a deal that was? You know, I don't know. I don't know if he cared or it, since he gave me for one box, he figured he'd give me the whole box. I don't know. I don't I don't think he was supposed to give them to me that, that good of a deal, but I was very grateful. Yeah, I bet. I still want to verify. There's no way I can verify either of those were fours. Nope. You could ask Talon. <laughs> yeah, we know how that goes. All right. Um. Okay. Uh, number, let's see, I don't even know. I lost the count, but use swatter loads for cripples. This is another thing I don't see myself doing. I'm not going to carry what they're saying. You could grab six shot. Have it in your pocket, and then when you're going to shoot a cripple, shoot him a six because you're getting more BBs. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I'm not either. Personally, I'm just not going to carry that. But I have shot sixes. I went till hunting last season and actually shot two and three-quarter sixes. Love that load. The heavy the heavy till, which is all steel. And uh, But what they're talking about, and this could help you with, because say if you do shoot a bird, and this would make you better shot and use less shot, less shells, 
is you could, when you're aiming at a bird, I don't remember what percentage. I, I read a deal, scientific deal, some biologists had done about shooting a duck on the water. How much of the duck is actually revealed? And it's literally like 30% is even um, available to shoot at, like 70% of the birds underwater. So that's why it's so hard. I've heard people say like, even myself, like, man, I can't hit the stupid bird. He's right there on the water. Like, how are they still swimming? I, I have heard everybody do that. Like, anybody I've hunted with, that has so happened, and we've talked about that. And one of the things that you can do is aim, instead of just putting the bead on its head, because then you'd get the majority of the shell over top, is put it at the at the water, between the water and its head. And you would get more. But still, it's still possible that you could totally miss, especially if you're using two shot. Or have a dog. Well, <laughs> here's a you saying that though. That I learned something last year, and I don't know if you remember on that last really good hunt we had up north. Remember, I was saying I'm not gonna send him until he the bird's dead, because you end up thinking the bird's just kind of doing this. He's like, oh, he ain't gonna go anywhere. So you send the dog after that thing goes 100 miles an hour, and you got a dog running around out there chasing a bird for 10 minutes. Yeah. So that was a lesson learned with the dog that I can just throw in this is if you do have a dog or a new dog, you guys that have new dogs listening, train your dogs. Make sure that bird's dead for the most part as best as you can. Sometimes you can't tell. But make sure they're dead before you send your dog out there because it could be a wild goose chase. You end up having to run out there. Your dog's running around. You're trying to shoot the bird again, which is totally unsafe with your dog there. Yeah. It's just better off just... But I've had, I've had instances with birds where literally I've shot... You know, four or five shells. A out third of, of my yeah box of shells trying to kill this cripple mm-hmm. because you know maybe. And but if they're too, that like, alive, a dog's not going to catch. Yeah, them but probably. you ever notice like sometimes like all you see is like a bill sticking mm-hmm. out of the water. Yeah, you know, a little piece of the head. It's almost, a, I mean, it's almost impossible to hit that. Sometimes. No, you're not going to kill him. That yeah, way. no way. So that that's another thing you could do is that, and that's why I like that. I just like the fours because you have more pellets. So again, it's just preference, but it's something that could really help you out when you're if you're trying to shoot a cripple. You just get a little bit more out there. All right, um, this is kind of a topic that could get a little bit of mixed. Um, so you know we're gonna stop there, guys. Um, I know we didn't go through a whole lot there because it, we might do three episodes of this. But anyways, we're gonna wrap it up there for this podcast. I thank you guys for tuning in, listening. Uh, appreciate Tom, uh, Travis's comments and guys if you want like I said just comment uh, in the reviews let it let me know what you think about the topic or your thoughts on shells we like to read that stuff it's not just a review for the, the podcast but it's also kind of a review just for you guys to communicate with us and let other people know that are looking into the podcast what's going on in here and topics that we're talking about so thanks for listening guys and we'll see you next time <laughs>